December and we are moving on to session two of this deeper study. As we get further along into this month, I want to ask you, how is life going for you and yours? Are the days of this December merry and bright? In our first session together, God led us to John chapter 4. It's not your typical Christmas passage, but as we looked at it, I believe God spoke to us about Christmas. And what is Christmas? Now right now, Christmas might feel like shopping and mailing cards and baking cookies and more shopping and parties and present wrapping and church presentations and more shopping and frenzy and tinsel and trees and more shopping and all that stuff we do in December in effort to make things merry and bright in our lives. Because by the end of the year, we could all use some merry and bright in the midst of our mixed up and broken. But the only one who can really give us merry and bright is Jesus. And Jesus is Christmas. He came into our mixed up and broken to give the gift of himself. That's Christmas. He's Christmas. Jesus, our Savior, knows what merry is. He is joy. And he is the brightest light of the world. Merry and bright. Jesus is Christmas. Jesus is our gift. And that's what John 4 is all about. So that's why we're spending some time there for this Christmas Bible study. Remember last week we looked at John 4 about this mixed up and broken woman and how Jesus came into her world and offered her the gift of himself. Now, typically, when we go to the Word at Christmas time, we we tend to look at passages like Luke chapter 2, where the angel came to Mary and he told her she would conceive a child through the Holy Spirit, even though she was a virgin. Amazing! We read of Joseph, her husband, and how they made the journey to Bethlehem with Mary being nine months pregnant pregnant on the back of a donkey they rode all this way. Amazing. And Jesus was born in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And the shepherds came and the wise men and the star and all these amazing, incredible things happen. Things that fulfilled prophecies given hundreds of years before. This was the first Christmas and it was amazing. A Savior Jesus, our Savior, was born as a baby, to bring joy and light, merry and bright, to a mixed up and broken world. But passages like John 4 take Jesus out of that manger in Bethlehem and into our lives so that we can continue to experience amazing at Christmas. And and it's so important for us to understand getting Jesus out of the manger. If you think of it, A baby is like an unwrapped gift. I mean, most times we don't know what what color their hair is going to be, if it's going to be curly or straight. Um, We we don't know what color their eyes are going to really be. We we don't know what their personality is and how they're going to live life and what they're going to do here. All of that is still to be revealed. A baby is like an unwrapped gift. 
And if we leave Jesus the baby in the manger, we will never see the amazing gift that he really is. So passages like John 4 reveal that Jesus did what the angel said he would do in Luke 2. One of the things the angel said in Luke 2 was that Jesus would save his people from their sins. Sin is what makes people mixed up and broken, like the woman that we saw in John chapter 4, and frankly, like us. Sin is what steals the merry and bright from people like that woman in John 4 and from people like us. But Jesus was born in that manger for the purpose of saving us from that sin. And John chapter 4 shows us Jesus years later as he had grown up and, and, and he did exactly what the angel said he would do. He came right into the middle of mixed up and broken as our gift that would continually give true life that really is merry and bright. Not just the merry and bright you see in the Christmas cards and the lights and the eggnog. <laughs> Hopefully, this past week, you read John chapter 4, and you pondered Jesus' words to this woman that he met at the well. As he came into her world, her very mixed up and broken world, and he said to her in verse 10, if you knew the gift of God. Hopefully, you pondered those words, if you knew the gift of God. You pondered them for yourself and, and for the people in your lives. What would this December look like if I knew my gift from God? Could Jesus really make my life merry and bright? See, at Christmas, whether we want to or not, we tend to do a lot of pondering. People ponder what they want, what they hope for. We tend to ponder the tender things of life. Things like relationships and what is my purpose here and love. And, and we can have a lot of perceptions in our minds and hearts about all of these things. All kinds of, of things shape our perceptions about these very important pieces of our lives. But God's word reveals truth. As we looked in John chapter 4, God revealed that all of what our souls long for is actually given to us in Jesus. And we also saw in Isaiah 9, verse 6, that Jesus is our wonderful counselor, mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And last week, we, we really looked at him as our wonderful counselor. For the woman at the well, Jesus revealed himself in this way to her. He, he counseled her in one of the biggest burdens of her soul. And we saw that he is also wonderful counselor for us as well. We thought a lot about that and, and I hope it made a great difference in your life this week and will continue to do so. You are never alone. You don't have to figure out life by yourself. The baby in the manger, Jesus was born to be wonderful counselor to you and to me and to all who will receive him. But there is more. He is also mighty God, eternal Father, Prince of Peace. And today we want to continue to open this gift of Jesus, our gift. So we're going to go back to John chapter 4 and we're going to take a look. Now since this is week 2, I'm going to trust that you're familiar with the beginning of the story. 
And, and if you're not, I'd suggest that you go back and listen to message one first. But we're going to pick up today in John 4, verse 19. And, and when we get there, what we find is that Jesus has just showed up in a big way in this woman's life as a wonderful counselor. He read her like a book. The things that she was trying to hide, he brought right out into the open. And so in verse 19, she says, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, this woman had spent maybe a few minutes with Jesus, and she'd already developed a perception about him. She thought he was a prophet because he knew all the details of her life, all those things she was trying to hide. He knew them. Now, maybe this Bible study is the first time you are encountering Jesus. Or maybe you've been around Jesus all your life. Either way, what is your perception of Jesus? Do you see him as a prophet? Do you see him as someone who did really good things? As the one who died on the cross for you? Do you see him as a baby in a manger? As creator of the world? As the one you call on when life gets hard? The one who loves you no matter what? Do you see him as Lord of your life? As someone you think about on Sunday or Christmas or, or Easter? Do you see him as someone you say your blessings to before you eat your meals? Or the one you learned about in Sunday school? Or someone they talk about in the country songs? Who is Jesus? How do you describe Jesus? How do you perceive Jesus? How does your life relate to Jesus? How does your Christmas relate to Jesus? See, all those things matter. But what really matters is what does the Bible say about Jesus? I'm 47 years old. I've been in church since I was a teeny baby. I have a Bible college degree. Most of my married life, my husband has been a pastor or a missionary. I've taught in Christian schools. I, I, I've been in ministry myself now for over eight years. But I am still learning who Jesus is. In fact, the Bible says the world is not big enough to contain the books that would need to be written to explain all of who Jesus is. So this side of heaven, there's always going to be more to know about Jesus. And our perception of Jesus needs to be continually shaped by truth. Jesus wants us to see who he is. He wants to reveal himself to us. How do I know that? Well, when he was born as a baby, he was called Emmanuel. Do we understand what that means? God came to earth so that we could see who he really is. Emmanuel is God with us. Now, it will take a lifetime and eternity to see the face of Jesus and take in all he is. But Christmas is a time that we can look deeply at Jesus to see that Jesus is God. And we will see this. If we will look. In John chapter 4, Jesus sat in front of this woman asking, Do you want to get to know your gift from God? Do you want to look at who I am? It's interesting because she was sitting face to face with Jesus and didn't see him. She had a perception about Jesus, but it was a wrong perception. She said, I perceive you are a prophet. But Jesus is not a prophet. Jesus is God. So Jesus had to break through her perception with truth. 
And today, as we look at this passage for the purpose of knowing our gift from God, remember, that's why we're looking here. Jesus says, do you know the gift of God? If you knew the gift of God. And and that's why we're looking. I think today, Jesus wants to do the same thing for us as well. He wants to break through our perceptions with truth. Let's pray. God, I pray, Lord, you would just break through today. Whatever our perceptions are about you, if they're not right, God, break through them with truth, God. Break through them, Lord. We want to know you, and you want to be known by us, Lord. Meet us in this time of study, of looking at your word, that we might get to know our gift from you, Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So, as we think this through, I I think first we need to consider where do we get our mixed up perceptions? Because a lot of times our perceptions are mixed up. Let's look at this woman's perceptions about Jesus to, to answer this question. In verse 19, she said, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. And going on to verse 20, she says, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Now, she thought he was a prophet. Where did she get that perception? And, And where do we get our perceptions about Jesus? Well, I think what we just read shows us some things. She said, Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. Now, just like most people, This woman had developed her thoughts and mindsets and traditions. Basically, she had developed her worldview from her elders, from the ones who raised her, her fathers. So now she's face to face with Jesus and she's seeing Jesus through their eyes. She says, our fathers worshiped here. Now notice she doesn't even say anything about herself. It doesn't even sound like she worships God personally, but she knows what her heritage is. People will do that. You know, they'll connect to their heritage in those kinds of moments when they come face to face with Jesus. And Christmas is one of those times. You know how people will do spiritual things at Christmas and Easter, but they never do them any other time? People who have that kind of pattern in their life often grow up in church, and and Christmas is one of those times where your heritage and those traditions of your past rise to the surface. So as you're celebrating Christmas, you kind of want your life to count for more than maybe the way you live all the other time of the year. And so that's why at Christmas, people sometimes will involve themselves in spiritual activity to worship a God they really don't know or understand or relate to any other time of year. But somehow they perceive that's what you're supposed to do. It's Christmas and and their heritage has shaped in them a perception that Christmas is supposed to have some kind of a spiritual piece to it. Well, this woman's perception about Jesus was based on her heritage. And in the same way, also, much of how we may respond to Jesus in front of us at Christmas is based on our perceptions that we've developed while we were growing up. But what else does this woman say? She said, you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Her perceptions were also based on what other people had said or were saying. And and we do the same thing. We develop thoughts and behavior patterns and traditions in our lives based on what other people say and do. The cultural norm, the common idea, 
habits and preferences and thoughts in our culture shape our perceptions. So when we think about Christmas, I'm pretty certain that we have developed perceptions about Christmas and about Jesus from our years growing up, from our fathers. We've also developed them from the people around us. You people, she said. And see, perceptions that we have shape what we often do or don't do in our lives. And, and that is also true during this very special month of Christmas. This woman was face to face with Jesus and her perceptions about him were revealed. Christmas brings us face to face with Jesus too. And the way we celebrate Christmas really reveals what we think about Jesus. I love this passage in John 4. Because even though this this woman's perceptions were all wrong, Jesus broke through them with truth. And he'll do the same for us if we will let him. See, I totally relate to this woman in John 4. My perceptions about Jesus have, have been all mixed up too sometimes. She was sitting there talking to Almighty God, the God of the universe, and she thought he was a prophet. You know what she did? She minimized Jesus. How often do we do the same, especially at Christmas? We take a little bit of truth, a little bit of what our heritage is, a little bit of what our culture says, and then we respond to Jesus. But God can break through that with his truth, just like he did for this woman. And I want us to look at their conversation. Remember, she's just said, I perceive you're a prophet. And she goes on to explain why, her fathers, her culture. And now in verse 21, Jesus responds to her. And he says this. He says, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship the Father. In other words, let let me set you straight. This is what you might have thought, but let me tell you what really is. He says, you worship that which you do not know. We worship that which we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is telling her, look, I'm going to show you the way it really is. You got your perception, but I want you to see the gift of God. Now in verse 25, she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he'll declare all the things to us. look what Jesus says in verse 26. Jesus looked right at her and he said to her, I who speak to you am he. He laid it all out there for her to see. That's me. This is who I am. I am the Messiah. I am God. But I've come to earth to visit you. It's so hard for us to wrap our minds around Jesus is God. But let's go back to Isaiah chapter 9. Remember we looked there last week. Isaiah chapter 9 is a wonderful prophecy of Jesus that reveals him. It says, For a child will be born to us, 
a son will be given to us and the government will rest on his shoulders and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. You know, our focus as we think about if you knew the gift of God is to look at those names revealed in Isaiah 9, 6, that verse we just read. Last week, we looked at the first one, Wonderful Counselor. But here in the, in the passage we just read in John 4, Jesus is also revealed as Mighty God and Eternal Father. Do you know what? I, I was a Christian for years, and I didn't know that Jesus was Mighty God and Eternal Father. Even with all my Christian heritage, I missed that. I missed that Jesus is God. That Jesus and the Eternal Father are one. All kinds of different things had shaped my perception of Jesus. And in my thinking, in my heart, what I really had done was I had minimized him to less than who he is. And I did all of that because I really didn't know truth. And it showed up in all kinds of ways, including how I celebrated Christmas. Now, now that doesn't mean I didn't include Jesus in my Christmas. There were lots of expressions of Jesus in my Christmas. But here's what was going on. I was not a true worshiper of Jesus because I barely knew Jesus. Jesus was talking to this woman in John 4, and, and he's kind of... You know, saying to her, yeah, you've been worshiping, but you've really got it mixed up. But, but we're looking toward a time when there's going to be true worshipers. And really what he's revealing is, you people have had it mixed up, the Jews have had it mixed up, but an hour is coming when the true worshipers are going to really know who I am and are going to worship in spirit and truth. I didn't worship in spirit and truth for years. Because in my own perceptions of Jesus, I had minimized him. But then God got me in his word all year long. So each year as I approached Christmas, I was coming toward Christmas with a new understanding of who Jesus is. And now I had someone to really celebrate. God had broken through my mixed up perceptions about Jesus with truth. And because of that, Christmas really was defined in truth for me. Christmas became more than shopping and mailing cards and baking cookies and more shopping and parties and present wrapping and church presentations and more shopping and frenzy and tinsel and trees and more shopping. All of those things paled to the background behind my most perfect gift. Jesus. Oh, what a difference truth has made for me. Christmas is Jesus. And I was celebrating Jesus all year long. My Savior, God given to me, eternal Father, worshiping Him in spirit and truth all year long, relating to Him as God all year long. So by the time I got to Christmas, there was an explosion of gratefulness in my heart for the merry and bright He continually brings into my life all year long. Isaiah 9-6 reveals Jesus as mighty God and eternal Father. Now, it's hard to believe a baby in a manger is mighty God. And a baby in a manger is eternal father? Hard to believe that. That's why we have to get Jesus out of that manger to see what his word says. To see how he related to people like he does here in John chapter 4. And it breaks through 
any perception we might have of our heritage, of what the people around us have shaped in us, or anything else that has really shaped or molded what we think about Jesus. Truth can break through all of that. So let's look at some truth about Jesus. If you'll turn with me, we're going to kind of jump around to a few places, to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in his Son, that's Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. Jesus is the exact representation of God because he is God. In John 10, chapter uh, John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus says something really amazing that I want to read to you. John 10:30 says this. Jesus said, "I and the Father are one." I and the Father are one. In 2 Corinthians, Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, Paul says this about Christ. He says Christ is the image of God. In Matthew 1, 23, and I know we're jumping around here a lot, uh, but Matthew 1, 23 It says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Jesus was called Emmanuel, God with us, because he was God with us. In John, going back to John, chapter 8, verse 58. I love this. I love this. John 8, 58. Jesus says, He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Jesus called himself I am. The name that means mighty God, the self-existent one over all. If we could grab hold of this, Jesus is, is not a prophet. Jesus is not a good person. He's not a baby in a manger or anything else we ever perceive him to be that is less than mighty God, eternal father. This is a holy month. Because what we are celebrating is that God himself, our eternal father, came into our world as a gift. And I love it in John chapter 4 that Jesus defines himself as a gift. Because a gift is given to bless, to please, to serve, to honor. You know, if Jesus is mighty God, eternal father, then he could have come as anything he wanted to come as. But he chose to come as a gift to bring merry and bright into our lives, to save us from ourselves. And the one that Christmas brings us face to face with is Jesus, mighty God, eternal Father. And I think if we really grabbed hold of that, it truly would make our Christmas merry and bright. And the celebration would continue all year long. Now let's talk about that some. You know, there are lots of passages that reveal the supremacy of Christ, that he is mighty God, that he is our eternal Father. And the more we get to know our gift, the more we're going to understand and be in awe of him and and be relating to these passages in scripture that reveal so much about him. But one of my favorite passages about this is in Colossians chapter 1. And we're going to turn there for a minute and look at Colossians 1 verse 15. Verse 15 says, 
And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Again, this tells us he is God. He's the image of God. In verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created. As mighty God, eternal Father, Jesus created it all. He created it all. Everything in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created by him and are for him. In other words, it's all about Jesus. Now, at this time of year, a popular saying is, I want it all. Well, you know what? All is only found in Christ. The one who created life, whom life is about, who is over all that is in life, has made himself a gift to us. A gift to us. But how many people get more excited, give more energy, more conversation, more adoration, more hope, and more zeal about a gift from Macy's or Target or Best Buy or whatever your favorite store is? You know what? Wrong perceptions shape our behavior. I love verse 17 here in Colossians. It says, and he, this is Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Not just Christmas, but life is all about Jesus. This is truth. Merry and bright. Merry and bright, I tell you. That's what it can bring into our lives. Now, when I say merry and bright... When I say merry and bright, I don't mean that everything in your life is going to go perfectly. (laughs) Goodness, in these last few years of my life, when a lot of this truth has really just exploded in my heart, I've had some of the hardest moments of my life. But see, it's merry and bright because I know that I have a God, a mighty God, an eternal Father who holds it all together. So my life is merry and bright because of the truth of knowing who my life is is in and who defines my life and who literally brings my life and holds my life together. That brings Mary and Bright. Have you ever given someone a gift and they didn't value that gift? They, they either just didn't realize it or, or they just kind of minimized your gift? You know, when we look at just this little bit of truth and we see the wealth of all Jesus is, do you think it's possible that our perceptions of Jesus have caused us to minimize him at Christmas? To not value him as the gift that he is? That our perceptions have caused us to not be a true worshiper, just like this woman in John 4? Let me, let me articulate that a little bit more. You know, people have all kinds of perceptions about Jesus, and, and we can't begin to talk about all of them today. But one of the perceptions I believe we have about Jesus that really shows itself at Christmas is this one. The perception that Jesus is not enough. That he's not enough to make my life merry and bright. Now that is not true. And I I mean, goodness, the verses we just looked at prove that Jesus is more than enough. And I don't even like saying the words that he's not. And I don't think most of us would even say them out loud or or even think that we believe such a thing. But see, even though we wouldn't say that, or we don't like to say that, our behavior often suggests that our perception of Jesus is that he's not enough. I'm going to share some stories and thoughts to really uh, articulate what I mean here. 
The first one is about hurt and brokenness in families. See, some of us might be saying, my hurt is bigger than Jesus. I want to tell you about a vibrant young woman that I know and am had the privilege of being in relationship with. She's growing in the Lord. She's getting to know Jesus. But she's had some wrong perceptions about Jesus, just like many of us. And, and the thing about these perceptions was they were making a huge impact on how she was responding to her gift of Jesus. And as she and I talked it through, what we discovered, her perception about Jesus was that he was not enough to meet the brokenness in her heart that mainly resulted because of some things in her family. Let me show you how this played out. She, she grew up in, in kind of a hard way. She had a hard life, a lot of hard experiences, even at a young age. Her mother died when she was very young, and her father really exited emotionally. And as a result of that, she made some really bad choices in her early adulthood. And, and then she came to know Jesus. Now, she is journeying with Jesus and learning about Jesus and allowing uh, truth to shape her thoughts about Jesus. But even still, she, she lives here in this world and, and she's still going through many things. And, and, and one of the things she deals with a lot is loneliness. She feels alone because she doesn't have a lot of family around her because of you know her background and, and really what has happened to her and, and she really desires to be married but God hasn't brought that special someone into her life and and so Christmas as she approaches Christmas it just kind of makes her sad and a few weeks ago she sent me a text and and I'm going to read it to you this is what she said and she's given me permission to share this with you uh, she said this she said oh no church starts having Christmas music this Sunday I tried to listen to Christmas music a few weeks ago and I just had to turn it off I was crying my eyes out I need it to hurry up and be January. I don't like Christmas music. I don't want to go to church on Sunday. It's not fair. My mom's supposed to be here. Now her words made me so sad for lots of reasons, but especially because what she was really saying is Jesus is not enough. Now she would never say that, but that's what her actions and her words were conveying. I prayed for her. And really asked the Lord how he wanted me to respond. And, and I knew that I needed to speak truth, even if it hurt. And I want to share with you a bit of what the Lord had me say to her and how she responded. And, and, and I shared that most of us are very mixed up about Christmas. I shared with her that phrase from John 4.10, you know, if you knew the gift of God. And I told her, I'm still getting to know my gift better. And, and I think you need to get to know your gift better. Because if you knew the gift of God, you would not be wanting December to be done with before it's even started. So that you can just be on to January. Because if that happens, then you're going to be passing right over the biggest time of year to celebrate your greatest gift ever, who is Jesus. I told her, I know you hurt deeply over your mother's death. And how I know that Christmas has been a very painful time for you. But I also said it doesn't have to stay that way. Let Jesus do a new work in you. So what if you cry when you hear Christmas music? Give the tears to Jesus. As your gift, he's your wonderful counselor. He can counsel you through the hurt and pain of that. I told her to use that Christmas music to worship your Savior. And I called her to allow the Lord to raise her up out of that sadness to a place of worship. We talked and, and I told her, as much as you love your mother and as wonderful as she was, he 
meaning Jesus. Jesus is one million times better. And if you shut your eyes and your ears to Christmas, you're going to miss many of the things that Jesus wants to show you about himself. He's your gift and he wants to bring healing to you. I pleaded with her to please allow yourself to be raised up. Do whatever you have to do. Speak to yourself in faith. Mourn your mother, but worship your Savior. What I was trying to tell her was that Jesus is enough. He is enough to cause you to embrace Christmas with newness of life. Now I'll tell you, it was hard for me to share those things with her because I love her, but I knew that they were true. And I want to tell you, she heard me. And listen to the text she sent me just a few days ago. She said, I'm so glad I listened to the Holy Spirit telling me to put up a Christmas tree. This will be day three of doing my Advent devotions each night. And God is doing some healing this Christmas in my heart. Jesus is more than enough to heal family hurts or any kind of hurt we have for that matter. And I'll tell you truth as well. And I have to speak this to myself as well. If the focus of your hurt is bigger than Jesus during this Christmas season, then your perception of Jesus is wrong. Jesus is a wonderful counselor. Jesus is a mighty God, eternal Father, bigger than any of your hurts and able to handle them. He is your gift. He is enough. Now, another way that this perception of Jesus not being enough comes out is in this expression. Jesus is not worthy of my time. Now again, we would never say that. But think about all the ways that very idea is communicated in our living, especially at Christmas. So many other things take priority over Jesus in our calendars. And and really that happens all year long, but even more so at Christmas. A couple of years ago, Christmas was on Sunday. Do you know how many churches didn't have church that year because the church didn't want to infringe on family time and Christmas celebrations? You know, most Bible studies stop during the month of December, not because they're not important, but because people won't make the time to attend. How many women have told me, I just couldn't find the time to get in the Word in December and pray? I have so much going on. When January comes, I'll get back to my Bible study. And, and you know what? I have struggled with that at two, two at times. And and that's crazy. See, why is it that we don't have time for church and Bible study and small group and our own personal time in the word and prayer during December? Because we're spending our time on things that we perceive to be more valuable. Family, party, our appearance, our house being decorated, our shopping list, our presence being wrapped to perfection. Jesus is Emmanuel, wonderful counselor, almighty God, eternal father, and he has made his presence available and accessible to us. Whatever we spend our time doing doesn't even compare to the value of spending time with Jesus, even if it's good stuff. Please, 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 please hear me when I say this. I do not believe God is speaking this to us today to heap guilt and condemnation on our to-do list and our calendar plans for this month, but to do exactly the opposite. He knows that he is the only one who has what we need. And if we set Jesus aside for the whole month of December, just giving him a little bit of hallelujah every now and then, 
We're going to be dying of thirst by January. We're the ones that are going to lose out. We will miss out on the life, the hope, the joy, the care, the peace, the loving kindness, and all the more that time with Jesus will bring into our lives. Jesus is more than worthy of our time. He is the best way to spend our time, especially during this month of celebrating Him as our gift. He should have our time and our conversation and our focus. Now, we could go on and on with how this idea of Jesus not being enough gets expressed in our lives, but one more way that it really gets expressed at Christmas time is in this idea. Jesus doesn't fill me up. Now, I think this could best be explained um, like this. A lot of people categorize their lives, uh, put them in, putting their lives in two categories. They've got this spiritual religious category and then just the normal everyday life category. So it isn't that Jesus gets really left out of their Christmas. No, Jesus is included in Christmas. He, he's the spiritual side of my Christmas. But the perception is that's where he stays and that I, I need more than Jesus to celebrate Christmas. Now again, we, we might not ever say that, but what do we do at Christmas? We overspend on stuff, thinking it's gonna fill us up and our kids up and our friends and family up. We overeat, we overdo it on all the comforts of life. We're seeking, seeking, seeking for something to quench this thirsting in our soul and fill us up. I firmly believe what happens in the physical is a mirror of what's going on in the spiritual because we cannot categorize our lives. We are spiritual beings and we're very thirsty. When we are filled up with Jesus, we're satisfied. And so our reaching in this world becomes much more balanced by truth, that we have what we need in Jesus and he gives us so much to enjoy. So when we're filled up in Jesus, it's not that we don't give gifts or get gifts or put up a tree or wrap nice presents and join in the festivities of Christmas, not that at all. But we give gifts out of, of that mindset that I have everything I need in Christ. We open gifts with that mindset that I am filled up in Jesus. We eat with that mindset that no amount of chocolate or cream cheese or alcohol is gonna ever fill me up. I'm already filled up in Jesus. So I celebrate in a way that lifts him up and honors him and the, and the fruit of, of his living in me. And one of those fruits is self-control. I enjoy the blessings of my life in this season in the shadow of Jesus' grace that fills me up with him. So all the bounty that we enjoy during the month of December is gifted to us from God above. And so we enjoy it knowing he's the giver of all those perfect gifts, not because we're out there anxiously seeking to satisfy something in us and fill ourselves up because Jesus hasn't done that. See, when we have this presumption that our thirst cannot be met by Jesus, that he's just for the religious or the spiritual side of my life, then what we do is we keep reaching for something to fill them up. And we also keep thinking that we can give other people something that's going to fill them up. And I believe the reason all of these expressions of life get so overdone in December is many people really don't believe that Jesus is enough to fill them up. So they come to the end of the year empty, not merry and bright, trying to fill up their lives. But Jesus is enough. He's more than enough. He's wonderful counselor, almighty God, eternal father, and so much more. 
He gets into the nitty gritty of everyday living and every desire we have. His word here in John 4 tells us that if we drink of the water that he gives, it will be a spring of water bubbling up for eternal life. Remember we read that last week? We will always have all that we need and more because what he gives really brings life. All the other stuff we reach for essentially is lifeless without him. Jesus is enough. Back to John chapter 4. Jesus got in the nitty-gritty of this woman's desires. Right in the nitty-gritty of her desires. He knew what this woman was looking for in a man she wasn't going to find. And whatever we're looking for to fill ourselves up with, other than Jesus is never going to be enough. Only Jesus is enough. He is our gift from God. You know, Christmas is a time like no other in our culture. A time when every sense is heightened. Smells and touch and taste and sight. So when we get to December, the end of the year, if anything in us is lacking, maybe there's some hurts some desires that are unmet. Maybe we feel empty in some way. All of this heightened sensory expressions of our culture can just draw us in like a magnet, like, you know? And then on top of it, if we're seeing life through our heritage and the people around us, it's, it's no wonder that all our perceptions get mixed up. I speak from experience. I have been very mixed up at times in regards to Christmas. And I so needed Jesus to meet me with truth and build up faith in me. And he has. See, all of this in front of us during December is so heightened to our senses. And yet Jesus, we have to know by faith. By faith. The enemy is so crafty. He will make all of everything in front of us sparkle and shine and feel good and taste good and look good and anything he has to do. He will even work with things that are basically wholesome and good. In fact, he'll use a very good thing to distract us from Jesus. Why is that? Because the enemy knows if you really get to know your gift, if I really get to know my gift, I'm going to be filled up to overflowing with life. And he's all about death. So he's going to use whatever he can to get your attention and shape your perceptions about Jesus. Mine too. And he does this especially in December when all the focus should be on Jesus because he wants to keep you from him. Christmas is the revealing of God to man. And Satan knows he does not measure up at all. So he doesn't want you to see Jesus for who he really is. Oh, you can know about Jesus. Just minimize him in your eyes. Let all this other stuff have more importance to you. But see, Jesus has stepped into this world so that you would know him. If you knew the gift of God, Emmanuel, God with us, he is more than enough. And his word will show us who he is. His word will build faith in us. His word will combat all of Satan's lies. Today, we've looked at just a little bit of his word. 
to build some faith in us, to see who he is. And again, this week we have some study notes for you to help you follow up on this time together. And I encourage you to take time this week and work through them to help you have a right knowing of Jesus, not based on your perceptions, but based on truth so that you can enter into a time of being a true worshiper of Jesus in fresh, bright, beautiful, joy-filled ways this Christmas. You know, it has been said that God's greatest glory is man's greatest joy. In other words, how merry and bright our lives will become when we really know who God is. How merry and bright He can make us. From the inside out, merry and bright. You know, some of the greatest Christmas celebrations have happened with no lights, no trees, no feasts, no presents. Because inside the soul of a person, it was lit up with Jesus. Eternal God, mighty Father, alive and glorified in the one who truly knows him, bringing merry and bright. If we know the gift of God, we will be a true worshiper of Jesus this Christmas. God bless you. Is a strong and mighty time.